0: This program is brought to you by the partners of Arot Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support Arot Awakening International today. One of Michael Rood's favorite sayings is when the brimstone hits the fan. <laughs> and these days, that scenario feels like it's getting closer every day. However, that does not mean we need to live in fear. Bear Independent, also known as TJ Morris, prepares us tonight. what can happen and what to do when it does. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Well, Shabbat Shalom Torah fans, welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. And yes, the brimstone is hitting the fan if you haven't noticed. So what do we do? Well, we have just the guy to tell you what to do. Bear Independent, yes, the Bear Independent, was brought to our attention and we are glad he was. Tonight, we start a new four-episode series with Bear called Grin and Bear It. (laughs) from tactical medicine tips, no, not kidding, from tactical medicine tips and disaster relief to child trafficking rescue and even business advice specifically for Torah observant believers. This series offers common sense ways to prepare and practical ways for you to help if things go wrong as I most likely will one day. So that starts in just a few minutes with the one and only Bear Independent. First, we're into a new month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There, you see it there. The new moon was seen earlier this week, and tonight is the first Shabbat of the month of Adar. Ah, Adar, that brings up an interesting point. Please welcome my co-host, Angie Clark. Well, Shabbat Shalom, Scott. Shabbat Shalom, why are we talking about Adar? Okay, so first of all, Passover, right? Adar, Passover, the Aviv barley, all this kind of stuff starts swirling around this time of year. We have to have the uh, the barley go out and inspect the barley to see it, if it is Aviv mm-hmm. at a certain point. That's not ripe. It's like getting ripe, mm-hmm. and then two weeks estimated that it will be ripe because at that point there has to be uh, an offering of, of a loaf of bread sheep. made a sheep a yeah, sheep mm-hmm. offering right uh, at Passover. Mm-hmm. And so the avi barley is, you know, we, we go and estimate to see if it's ready a couple weeks beforehand to say, yeah, we think it'll happen. If mm-hmm. not, we call it and say, oh, push Passover by a month. Right. Now, our Spanish team here at Root Awakening has a lot of friends in Israel. And they have checked with us, with their friends in Israel and say, hey, the first opportunity for a Passover this year is in March because the Aviv barley were supposed to like say, you know, make a decision on that March 11th. Well, they're all saying March 11th, there's no way. And so they are going by their Hillel calendar, of course. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, that's why we're holding Passover in April. And based on their advice, just being in Israel and saying, you know what, it's, it's probably not gonna happen in March. That's why we've decided to hold our Passover uh, celebration in, in April. April, mm-hmm. right? And so we're so uh, Passover is actually going to happen in the middle of the week, and our event is at the end of the week. Now, right. people might say, "Well, you're not holding it on the right day." So, what do we say to that, Angie? We're not holding it. We're not attending it. it. We're not holding it at all. You right. can't keep Passover right. without a temple. So it's like, look, this is just a celebration of Passover. This is just a rehearsal. A rehearsal, that's the word I was looking for. That's all this is. It's a celebration of what Yeshua did at the Last Supper, which by the way, wasn't Passover either. The Passover was the next day, right? So that's what we try and commemorate is Yeshua's. What he did he do with his disciples? What mm-hmm. was it like? Michael always does a brilliant job of doing that up here on the yes, stage. Yes, and, and I think we're gonna try and get Jake Hilton to sort of pinch hit for him too and try and do that.
1: That will be fun. It'll be
0: fun, yes. So it'll be great. So again, Passover 26 to the 28th. No, it's not the day of Passover because that doesn't matter anyway. You can't. You can't, you can't, you can't observe. You can't keep Passover right now. You can celebrate it. You can commemorate it. You can remember these things, which is what we're told to do in the Torah. Remember these things. Don't let go of it. Make sure you keep doing it. So we're going to keep doing it, and we'd like you to be here. Seventy people. Sounds good. Yeah, that's all we have room for. Is Seventy people in this studio, and uh, everyone else can watch online. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the way it's going to go. So we're holding Passover, which is going to be fine. Well, okay. Yeah. Now Adar. Now why? Okay. So the month of Adar that's when we we look at the uh the barley right mm-hmm. now if it's not ready yet yeah that's when we say have a new month a 13th month a 13th month which is called a darbet a dar bet, yes adar 2 or adar bet mm-hmm. bet meaning to exactly so we are pretty much saying yeah we probably think there's going to be a, an adar bet this month or this this year probably so. so that that 13th month which means everything gets pushed down but we already planned for that last year in the calendar, just in case that happens, so you do have options in your calendar, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like an A scenario and a B scenario. Right, 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 Yeah. Yep, so that is right there, and so, mm-hmm. Angie, you've got it there, and it's clearly defined as to, hey, use this month if this happens, use the next page if that this that happens. Yep, so that yep, 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 March and, a, like, here's March, and if it doesn't happen, then you tear this
1: page out. Right, and, and you, you go, go to April. One.
0: Right, yep, yep. So that's yep. the kind of thing we plan for. Yeah, it's not perfect, but you know what? Yehovah didn't have printed calendars back in the day either. <laughs> he said, look at the moon, determine when it is, and go with it. Yeah. So when we try and do it in our modern ways, well, yeah, of course, it's not going to be perfect. So we need to plan for that as much as we can. So thank you for bearing with us. Uh, so now the new calendar is, is uh, coming up very soon as yes. well. So we need to do uh, pre-orders for that. Uh, and we have to get rid of the old calendars first. So. We have to do that and uh, make sure that we uh, get ready for the new one and we have everything ready, it's all gonna good to go. And this month's, or this year's a theme is the 12 tribes of Israel. So that is gonna be interesting I'm gonna stuff. Lo- I, I love that, I love that already. Haven't even seen what it looks like, but I know it's gonna be great. It's beautiful, and and we found some really interesting information about the 12 tribes, what each one is known for, Mm -hmm. maybe stuff we didn't know, a bunch of stuff I didn't know, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, so we put it into the calendar. I love it, Yeah, love it, love it. Neat stuff to teach your friends with, all that kind of good stuff. All right, so uh, there are two weeks left for the love gift. Uh, we have been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it includes for a gift of $50 or more, you get a teaching with Avi Lipkin all about what's really going on in Israel. Really, and some really of the good stuff, stuff is going to be like, <gasps> what? Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Including, I didn't know this until you mentioned it. There are not just the terror tunnels that you've seen on you know, CNN, you know, six weeks after the fact, might I add. But you know, there's more tunnels out there than people realize there's tunnels being dug right now under Jewish towns. It's just city after city after city underground. Right, and, and they, there's nothing anybody can do about it. Right, And so did you know that this happened back in, uh, when was it, 2005 when uh, Gaza was given back to, that's the reason yes. why Israel said, get out of there, because this was happening in Israel. They were digging tunnels underneath the uh, the military. For almost 20 years, I mean. Yeah, and, and Israel said, get out, just yeah. get out. That's why they got out. And now the same thing's happening in, and I asked Avi Lipkin on this teaching, do you think that is why uh, th- that they're doing it now in these other towns? Hoping that Israel will do the same thing and just call everybody out of the settlements right. so that the Palestinians can have the land. Interesting to hear his answer it on
1: is. that. It is, it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's kind of heavy too. It is, you know. yeah.
0: How would you feel if like you know, an enemy of the US was, was digging tunnels under your city, <laughs> under your neighborhood, uh, I in order to pressure even, you to get out. I can't even imagine. Yeah, and that they're just sort of allowed in this country and allowed to terrorize you, but you're not allowed to retaliate. Right. I mean, this is the life of an Israeli. It is. So, we need to continue to pray for Israel. Yeah. You know, and the whole area. I mean, there's so many innocent people that are in trouble. Yep, you know? exactly. And that stuff is coming here. And Bear Independence is talking about that tonight. And here's a little bit of what you're gonna see. I don't get to tell him no. Even when I'm...
2: Playing for the other team, I don't get to tell him no. Literally in Deuteronomy, if you forsake the widow and the orphan, your children will be orphaned, your wife will be widowed. I guess I better not forsake the widow and the orphan.
0: All right. So, from tactical medicine tips, to disaster relief, to child trafficking rescue, and even business advice, specifically for you, the Torah observant believer, our new series Grin and Bear with Bear Independent offers common sense ways to prepare and practical ways for you to help if things go wrong. But first, if you wanna get things right, watch this. <music> The same threat that Israel faces is coming soon to America. In a hard-hitting message that got him banned from Christian television, Avi Lipkin delivers the truth about what's going on.
1: The information has to be gotten out to all of you in America because uh, you, you just don't get the information in the media. I think your media people in the States don't even know these things. Only the select uh, you know, media people like you know and Michael Roo know these things.
0: Israel from the Inside with Avi Lipkin explains Israel's war with its neighbors, civil war brewing within its own borders, new threats of terror tunnels under Jewish towns, and political backstabbing inside the Knesset. This teaching is not available anywhere online, but we'll give it to you as our thanks for supporting A Root Awakening International. When you donate $50 as a love gift to this ministry in February, we'll give you Israel from the Inside with Avi Lipkin on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll give you Israel from the inside, plus a decorative blue and gold mezuzah made of pewter featuring an image of the menorah. Donate $300 and we'll give you Israel from the inside, the pewter mezuzah, and a complete Torah scroll in Hebrew protected in a cylindrical leather-like case. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Root to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift. The $100 gift or the $300 gift. Thank you. Your donations ensure that urgent teachings like Israel from the inside with Avi Lipkin keep coming from a rude awakening international. Use your smartphone to scan the QR code on your screen to donate now and receive these limited time gifts or call 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com.
1: The night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took bread and he blessed the Most High. Baruchatah Yehovah Elohino Malachalam. And he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do it from now on, understand this has always represented my broken body. And often, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of what I'm about to do for you. Then he took his cup and he told his disciples after he blessed it, after he blessed the Most High, and he said, Baruch Atah Yehovah, Elohino Melechah Alam, Borei Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth and has created the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, You divide my cup among yourselves. And as he passed his cup around, and they poured a bit of his into their cups, it got back to him empty, and he said, I will not drink a drop of the fruit of the vine till I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. But as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Not only that I will pay for the broken covenant, that I will pay for the transgression, that I will renew the covenant in my blood, but also remember that I am waiting for you at the marriage Supper of the Lamb and that is when I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Until then, Shabbat Shalom. Well, you know as well as I do
0: that one of Michael Rood's most famous sayings is, when the brimstone hits the fan. And sooner or later, it's going to hit the fan. And these days, it seems like it's getting closer and closer. So you go online, you start figuring out how to prep, what kind of things do I need to have in my closet? What do I need for family protection? What do I need to be looking out for? That type of thing. And you may have come across a guy named Bear Independent. Well, guess what? He joins us today on Shabbat Night Live. Welcome. Shalom, brother. Better known as TJ Morris. Yes, sir. Okay. Bear from the internet, yeah. Bear from the internet. (laughs) Now, as we were talking here before, the cameras came on you told me that you have no fewer than 5 businesses and i i I've, I've looked at some of your stuff on how to be a ceo and now we're going to get more into that that's really interesting i'm actually learning a lot from that awesome. um and two ministries yep so tell us about all you have going on and then we'll get into how we got here so well <laughs> yeah we've got five businesses and two
2: ministries um, about 7 years ago I started a little YouTube channel. And uh, it actually was was and is based around preparedness because I saw somebody else on the internet giving terrible advice. Ah. And I was complaining to my wife that that person was giving bad advice and they're gonna get people killed. And so she said, we'll make a video about it. I said, well, I don't wanna. She hmm. said, well, then shut up. Okay. Well, a little back and forth I made a video And we've now done more than 6,000 videos and live streams in about seven years on the Bear Independent channel. And uh, we do that for YouTube and for Patreon and on Rumble. So that's one of them. Whether you consider it a business or not, the IRS does. So we treat it as a business. We have media teams and we have administrative teams and we produce some batch content. It is a business legitimately. I'm also the founder and CEO of Refuge Medical. Yahuwah is our refuge and our strength. It's not a coincidence that we named it that. Mm. And Refuge Medical produces the
0: best first aid kits on planet Earth. Now, you guys, now I just learned about this recently where you don't, you know, send a, a model off to China and have them make it. Mm-mm. You guys make this in the USA. Correct.
2: We have four sew shops here in the United States of America. We have a plastic blow mold injection shop here in Texas. And uh, we've got a machine shop here in wow. Texas. And so, we use all of those different pieces and parts to, to actually produce here the first aid kits, um, and we use components from all the best companies, you know, North American Rescue, Tacmed Solutions, Medline, etc. Uh, but all the cases and the pouches and all of that are made here by Americans and unconditionally guaranteed forever. And that I started, I needed a first aid kit that didn't suck for me yeah. four years ago, and so I paid a buddy a thousand bucks to prototype one. And he sent me six back, all the same, but I had six of these things. Well, what am I gonna do with six of them? So I sent one to one buddy, one to another buddy. One was an Air Force PJ, the other was US Army Special Forces. And um, they both came back. We're like, these things are awesome. We want 50, we want 100. Hold on. <laughs> I just want your input. It's a prototype, right. just hang on. <laughs> so I called my buddy and I was like, hey, I'm gonna need like another 150 of those things. And he's like, okay, cool. So we did. We produced that. and then hey, we need 400, we need this, we need that. And what's super cool is with our Patreon community, I asked the patrons, what type of swag would you like to see? You know, T-shirts, hats, stickers, patches. And I just put first aid kit in there. Business. Within 24 hours, I had 336 people that had told me by an overwhelming majority, they were willing to pay for a first aid kit. Cool. Hmm. So... Hey, here's the first Bear Fact, Bear First Aid Kit. And it's grown from an hour a week, an hour a month in my barn, me part time, to now we've got 23 families that are supported by Refuge Medical. We're on uh, four, four continents with all branches of the US Armed Forces, electively, and our kits have saved 92 lives that we know of to date. Wow, that's awesome. Years. Now we're
0: gonna, talk, we're gonna do a yeah. whole episode yeah, we're, on we're that, so let's on. save the juicy okay. stuff,
2: yeah. I apologize. No, 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 that's um, good, that's good. Then okay. we've also got Refuge Training. Refuge Training, uh, we teach you the fine art of how to not die. Ah. Uh, and so that's a spin, that came out of Refuge Medical. I want people to have the kit, I also want them to know how to use the kit. So we do civilian tactical medicine, using uh, scenario-based training. We do force on force. We have crisis actors and all that. Um, Then I've got a consultancy uh, called Prosperity, Prosper Ready, Uh, do business consulting, business development, and then also on the preparedness side. And then I've got a fifth business, which is a cutout from one of the ministries. The first ministry is Grindstone Ministries. Um, We deploy all over the United States after hurricanes and tornadoes. Uh, We do no cost disaster relief. How do you manage that? Um, So we're supported by people like those that support you. It's all privately funded. Um, It's a volunteer network of people. We've got two people on staff year round that maintain the equipment and administer the organization. And everything else is 100% voluntary. Wow. And we've been blessed. We mobilize up to 200 people on a site. Give me 48 hours, I'm gonna have 200 people there. Um, It's amazing. And so we've deployed with Grindstone 41 times
0: in the last four years. Now you're based out of uh, Oklahoma. Yes, sir. So that's mainly, are you seeing a lot of tornado stuff happen out there locally and then? Tornadoes and hurricanes. Get a lot
2: of hurricanes on the Gulf Coast in Florida and then tornadoes in the center of the country, but also now more so because of the way the Gulf Stream is shifting down into the southeast, tornadoes as well, but and also further north. I mean, Mayfield, Mm. Kentucky. It was a very serious tornado. Um, So we've deployed to all of those, and we'll go in for anywhere at a minimum three days, up to 30 days in a disaster relief deployment. Uh, And then we have Caleb House, Caleb with a K, Caleb House. And Caleb House is a ministry where we rescue and rehabilitate juvenile human trafficking survivors. Mm. Dude, never thought I'd be into that. Didn't know the father was gonna call me to that. But he did. And we are 100% privately funded with that as well. We don't take a dime from the government. We don't take a dime from foundations or organizations because I don't want anybody else telling us how we have to do this. Um, And we are the only, that I'm aware of, Torah-based ministry doing anything like this. And it has been an absolute blessing to be able to go rescue and restore dozens of kiddos. So uh, forsake not the widow and the orphan,
0: check. Doing the best that we can. Wow. That's me in a nutshell. You know, that, that, <laughs> I noticed here, that's the only thing you mentioned that really chokes you up. Yeah. Because you have kids too, like I do, right? Yep. And that's to, to even imagine your kids in that position, like, wow, you know, that's you Dude, don't even wanna go there. Imagine, so
2: imagine the worst thing that you know of that could possibly happen to a child, then increase the intensity a hundredfold, and then multiply that across hundreds of thousands of children per year. It's insane. you know. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against nations and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And that was a concept to me before I started doing this. Now I know it's a reality. And uh, it's very heavy work, but it's incredibly rewarding work as well.
0: Mm. Wow. Now, a lot of this sounds like, wow, you must have had a lot of military training. How long (laughs) long were you in the military? And when we were planning- Zero days. Yeah, and you told me that this is crazy that, you know you you know all of these things and all of obviously this is comes from when you were younger you know you've learned a lot of things along the way but military mm-hmm. was not in the cards for you so why is that let's
2: start start from when you were a kid i mean what happened here so um started my first business when i was 17 years old cutting timber because my mom worked for the phone company and they went on strike for 2 years my dad was out of the picture and so i had already been working full time since the age of 15 just to help pay the bills. And a long story short, uh, I was cutting timber and I broke my sternum. Mm. And so the United States Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Davalos basically said, (laughs) in their words, this is pre 9-11, said, uh, you're more of a liability than an asset. And it crushed me. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'm just gonna keep cutting timber then. And then 9-11 happened. And then the phone kept ringing and kept ringing and it's the United States Marine Corps. Son, we'd love to have you. Well, you didn't want me eight months ago, right? And I, I can be a little vindictive. So anyway, uh, well, they stopped calling and some other people started calling. And long story short, I ended up as a subject matter expert for the DOD on the national grid. Mm. My dad uh, had a long backstory doing TSSCI work for the DOD, wiring, you know, off at Air Force Base, Strategic Air Command, White Sands Missile Range by himself. Uh, power and telecom, and so we had some really interesting bring your kids to work days when I was growing up. <laughs> and uh, in any event, I've also I've been working on power distribution and power transmission. I've got pictures of me four years old sitting on a dozer plowing in cable. So I've spent a considerable portion of my life in that uh, purview. And then because of that, after nine eleven we were outwardly very focused on what was happening in the Middle East and what deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan were gonna look like and so forth and so on. We were much more so, we, the big we, the United States, was much more quietly concerned about attacks on infrastructure, critical infrastructure here domestically. Like we are now, for Like example. we are right now, right? So, you know, water sources, um, electro- electrical generation, natural gas, um, roadways, hospitals, the medical, all that. I happen to know those things, happen to have some family connections, the phone started ringing, and then that put me in touch with DOD personnel, Customs and Border Patrol, state agencies, um, the Department of Energy, DIA, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've been really blessed to to rub up against people like that, but I've never been a person like that, if that makes sense. But I speak their
0: language, so, yeah. Wow, so, so you started all this very young, had some influence from from dad. Yep. Uh, so then you start working in this uh, avenue, uh-huh. and uh, you know, let's, let's get into, again, how, how that happened a little bit later, but yep. you mentioned infrastructure, and yep. I think if my ears perked up, some other people's ears perked up, mm-hmm. wait a minute, so how vulnerable is, uh, without getting into things that I know you can't talk about, mm-hmm. um, how vulnerable is our grid, for example? That fast? Um,
2: I would tell your viewers to not plan for if it goes away, plan for when it goes away. And it doesn't need to be a high altitude EMP. It doesn't need to be a coordinated attack by dozens of sleeper cells from uh, Hamas or the Chinese or whatever, it doesn't need to be any of that. The number one enemy that the grid has is atrophy, it's old. It's expensive to maintain, Um, and then, of course, you have certain political factions in this country that are taking offline reliable energy production and introducing unreliable energy production. I've done a lot of wind and a little bit of solar. Those will always be secondary generation because wind turbines only work when the wind's blowing, solar only works when the sun's out, and we don't currently have the capacitor technology to store the energy as it's produced and then trickle it back out into the grid as it's needed. We don't have that. So not even with people like Tesla or you know, Elon Musk and if like If you mined all the cobalt and lithium on planet Earth and if you turned it into batteries and you put all of those batteries in the United States and you used all of those batteries to store electricity for the grid, all of it, we have four hours of battery backup for the United States. Okay, that puts a perspective. It is not possible using current technology. Uh, we currently, for your viewers, the battery backups that exist on the national grid infrastructure equate to four minutes of runtime. Four. Um, it's, the grid is fragile. I hate to say that, but it's very fragile, and everything that we depend upon in this modern society comes from the grid. When the electrons stop flowing, there's no communications, which means there's no logistics, which means there's no emergency medical services and no law enforcement and no fire, that you can't go to the doctor. Hospitals shut down and it's ICU only. Oh, they have backup generators. Yes, they do. I've been in a lot of disaster zones that had hospitals in them. They run maybe 10% staff. They admit no new patients. They're not doing surgeries, no elective operations, nothing. It's ICU and maybe NICU, neonatal intensive care unit. That's it. Uh, water doesn't flow because there's no, water to, there's no power to pump the water up into the water towers. Mm-hmm. Sewage plants don't work. So it's just a matter of about three days before you can't flush your toilet. All, and there's all these cascading effects if the grid goes away. And so, again, I would encourage people not to think about if the grid goes away, but think about when it goes away. And that's saying nothing of bad actors actively attacking the grid. Our large transformers are predominantly produced overseas. There's been effort to uh, repatriate that here into the United States so that we're not at the whim of China for our large transformers. But having built a lot of wind power jobs, the main transformer on that job, my lead time for that transformer is two years, two years. And then when it gets here, it's either coming into a port in San Diego or a port in Houston where it has to be loaded on a special trailer and moved via permitted haul because it weighs 600 tons. There's only so many cranes on planet Earth that can pick and place that. There's only so many men and women on planet Earth that can actually splice that in and make it work. And then what everybody forgets is every one of those wind turbines, every one of those solar arrays, every one of those backup generators all require power coming into them to their PLCs, programmable logic controllers in order for them to operate. Hmm. So doing a cold start of the grid where there is no power at all, not happening. Hmm.
0: So when the grid goes down, it's gonna be a while before it comes up.
2: Current DOE estimates are two to seven years for restoration. Whoa.
0: That's a lot longer than I was assuming.
2: Seven years is an interesting biblical number as well. <laughs> if you've been reading
0: the book of Genesis, <laughs> yeah. So to, to uh, as, as our country, our country's leaders brag about sometimes is putting another country, quote unquote, into the stone age. Mm-hmm. The same can be done with us very easily. That fast. Wow. That fast. And uh, I wanna also
2: encourage people, don't be afraid. Fear is a very good motivator, but it 's been weaponized against us. We should never do anything out of fear. Two of us will put ten thousand to flight. I serve him. What am I afraid of right it 's his will that 's going to be done, not my will, but a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. Mm. so I can see that there 's a problem over there. I should probably mitigate the risk of that potential problem now before I get over there right and so People shouldn't freak out. The grid's going to go away. Yeah. It's entirely possible that one solar flare, the Carrington event, one solar flare to the right area of the United States area of the United States of America, we're done, man. Okay. Cool. What can I do to mitigate that risk? And I think, especially with preparedness, the further down the path of preparedness you go, the more likely you are to end up in some type of rural living situation where you're on a homestead or something, uh, where you can have um, you know, a handful of chickens and a goat and you know, more what we would call primitive technologies, which by the way, I live that way. I choose to live that way now, and it's an absolute blessing. And then when you factor this in, and you realize that the Father wrote us a love letter to a group of agricultural people, and you've got a field full of sheep, and all of Yeshua's parables start making sense now, oh, I get it, sheep are idiots. Hmm. I'm a sheep, wait a minute, right? And so it's funny how all that interacts and how all that works, but We shouldn't freak out, right? Fear, while being a good motivator to get people to do things, is a negative motivator. We should be positively motivated to mitigate risk for the people that we love, Hmm. because my working definition of preparedness is to perpetuate normalcy for the people that I love. That's all I'm trying to do. Hmm. And so you get to decide what normal looks like, and you get to decide how much of normal you're capable of perpetuating. Cool, and then it's just risk mitigation.
0: Hmm. Long answer to your short question. No, that's good. <laughs> the grid's very fragile, brother. And, and we're gonna get into more of this later about preparedness and this type of thing. But uh, you, said to, you said something very interesting to me when we were planning this. And that was that uh, you know everybody thinks that, okay, self-defense and all that kind of thing, that's what I need. I need to have my sidearm, all that type of thing. But you said that that's not the most important thing to have on you. What is the most important thing?
2: Medical. Mm. You you need medical capability on you, especially if you're into preparedness. Hopefully, these things are starting to make sense. But the average civilian, the average citizen is way more likely to be involved in a car wreck than they are in uh, use of a weapon in self-defense, way more likely. And I'm all for the Second Amendment. I've got 87 rounds of hollow points on me right now as we're sitting here, Um, all for it. But I've also got a blowout kit and a tourniquet in my back pocket. Because statistically, the most dangerous thing we do as Americans is drive, right? Number one preventable cause of death in the United States of America. It's not diabetes, it's not heart failure, it's uncontrolled bleeding. Preventable cause of death, uncontrolled bleeding. And should I have a tourniquet? Yes. Should I know where to grab and apply direct pressure so I can force a clot to form? Absolutely. And so it's applicable not just to you know, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, or law enforcement, EMS, and fire, but to everybody. Hmm. The basic physiology of humans is the same regardless of what you do for a job. The air has to go in and out, and the blood has to go round and round. If either one of those two things stop, you die. All right. So I should probably have some tools in my toolkit to make sure I can perpetuate that. And the number one toolkit you have is this because with my brain understanding that physiology, I might not have a committee on TCCC recommended windless tourniquet in my pocket,
0: but I know where the pressure point is to stop that arterial bleeding. Well, I'm glad you teach that stuff on your channels too. We're gonna get yep. more into that, so yep. now we've kind of briefed folks as to where we're heading here and what you're all about. After- I told you I could talk all day, but I apologize. That's <laughs> great, that's why you're here. I'm sure people are glued to this right now. And We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about how you got here. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Your donations helped bring Bear here, or TJ or however you want to term him. Anyway, so we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thank you again for making this show happen and uh, your support is how we perpetuate this into the future so other people can see this because it's just as important for them as it is for you now. Thank you. Beautiful. Hey, thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. Now. Before the break, we were talking with TJ Morris about all things prep and how did you get here and you got five businesses and two ministries and all this wonderful stuff. And then you mentioned a couple of things about the Father and the Torah. So it's like, ah, okay, what else does this guy know and how did he get to know that?
2: Mm-hmm. It's been a journey, bro. Um, so I was born and raised into the Conservative Baptist Church in New York. And we, depending on the season, we were either that family that was there every Sunday, or hey, Easter's rolling around, you know, go take a bath. It's time to go to church, kid, right? <laughs> and so, um, but what really kept us, kept me going back to the church was my best friend's mom was like tyrannical that he had to go. Mm. He was super involved in the church, um, and we had to go to, um, Christian summer camps. And so I went to Christian summer camps. We had to go to the youth group. And so I went to the youth group. And right about the age of 15, a lot of really interesting things started happening. Um, Prior to that, his, his parents got a divorce, which is difficult for any family. But his parents fought tooth and nail over who was going to get custody of his little sister and neither one of them wanted him. Oh, gosh. there's was my best friend. And my parents were cool. So they're like, hey, you live here now. Oh. And so he moved in with us. Uh, and then the drummer in the church youth group band, Kenny. Kenny's out there somewhere. In fact, he's married to a girl from that youth group. Uh, joined the Navy. He's like, hey, guys, I signed up, I'm shipping out. I've got these drums. If anybody wants them, 300 bucks for a whole drum kit. You know, snare, two rack toms, floor tom, kick drum, double pedal, high hats, ride, three crashes, a china, all the hardware. 300 bucks. I can find 300 bucks, <laughs> and so I bought I bought the drums. I found 300 bucks. I brought them to my house. I put them up in my bedroom, which was tiny. There's room for like a mattress and this drum set. And I would take a uh, Sony Discman and set it on top of a pillow so that the vibrations wouldn't cause the CD to skip, put on the headphones and play along. And I had had one drum lesson prior to that from a guy named Mr. Magliano in the third grade who told me that I held the drumsticks wrong and I'd never be able to play the drums. <laughs> Crushed. So anyway, fast forward, I'm, I'm pissed at the church now because I had been noticing how people would behave on Sunday, versus how they would behave every other day of the week. And I was really, really, really upset at the father, that these people that claimed his name would be so hypocritical. And I literally said, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I don't wanna be one. Cuz you don't love your own son enough to keep him in either one of your houses. That's abhorrent, I'm out, I'm not doing that. And of course, 15-year-old teenage boys are filled with angst and anger anyway, right? So add in heavy metal, these dudes, like four dudes, twice my age, showed up at my house. Hey, bro, we heard you like play drums. You want to jam? Yes, I want to jam. Let's jam. Next thing I know, we're cutting a demo. Next thing I know, we're playing shows. And it started this decade of apostasy for me where I ran as far away from the father as I could. Uh, I am covered in satanic tattoos from that period in my life. It's funny now. People are like, "Well, are you are you going to cover them up or are you going to get them removed?" I don't even think about them anymore. The guy that got those tattoos doesn't exist anymore. Praise ya. Like they're not even on my map sheet, even though they're on my body, right? And I did everything that you could do that's bad for you or bad for somebody else. I mean, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah, sex, drugs, heavy metal. Um, and hanging out with people that was way older than I was doing stuff that I should have never done. And the that whole decade, 10 years, I was just furious at the Father. And it, praise God, he's loving and patient and kind and merciful because you do a little bit of growing up and you realize, oh yeah, people make mistakes. Just because people make mistakes doesn't mean the Father makes mistakes, right? And so, um, fast forward, I got myself cleaned up. I'm one of the only people I've ever met that has spent a million dollars on cocaine. Hey, are you serious? Um, dead serious. One million dollars on coke. I was on a mission, bro. Cocaine every day and I handle a Jim Beam hmm. every day. And um, I remember I woke up, it was a Tuesday morning, and I rolled out of bed and my feet hit the floor. And my first conscious thought was, I'm out of Coke, I gotta get more Coke. And my next conscious thought was, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, you don't. It's 6 a.m., you need more Coke. And by the grace of y'all, yeah, I'm really stubborn. And that was it, it was done. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward, many years later, I meet my wife and uh, we're in North Texas, and, um, My two older kids are from my wife's uh, first marriage. So we've got two little kids, I've got my wife. We've got this little house that probably should have been hit with a bulldozer and started over. It's not (laughs) not a great house. But we got this little house, and there was this beautiful family that lived around the corner from us. And uh, the wife invited us, Brooke, Brooke Roberts, invited me to church. I was like, man, I don't do church. I don't wanna go back to church. I don't wanna do it, and so. Now, was your,
0: was your wife a, a no, Christian or anything nope, like that? Nothing?
2: Nope, okay. I mean, her her mom, awesome person, but the household that she grew up was very spiritual, dabbled in Wicca, all this stuff, and, and also, praise God, you know, she's now come back the other way. She's like, hey, can I get a copy of the scriptures? What does that mean? What, what are these squiggly lines? Oh, that's Hebrew, you know, <laughs> and so. Um, <laughs> But Brooke Roberts said, hey, my husband Michael is the associate pastor at this little church and he's given the message three weeks from now and I would love it if you could be my guest. Sure. Well, it just, just so happened, coincidence I'm sure, that Sunday morning, there's, um, I'm the only one at the house. It's just me and y'all. So I get up, I drink a pot of coffee, got dressed, changed, changed again. I haven't been to church in 15 years. I don't know what people wear to church. It's like, I'm going like I went today. Jeans, T-shirt, boots, if they don't like me, screw them. And so I went in and I sat right in the front row and I watched the pastor preach, he was on fire. And I was physically shaking in the front row because whatever was inside of me couldn't withstand that. Mm. Couldn't be in the presence of that. But again, I'm stubborn. And so I made it through the hour. And they do the final prayer, amen. I was like, out the door. Yeah, no more of that. No more, I'm done, right? My flesh is crawling, I'm done. And so I get home and my wife and kids had come back and she said, how was it? I said, I hated it, I gotta go back. And I need you to come with me. And she's like, who the hell are you? I'm like, what happened to you? I'm like, come on, we're going. So next Sunday we go, and we're sitting right there in the front row, and I'm holding her hand, and we're just
0: like. Why did you decide to go back? Have you hated it so much the first time?
2: Because the Spirit told me to. Mm -hmm. It's a key thing you're gonna learn with me over time is I don't get to tell him no. Even when I'm playing for the other team, I don't get to tell him no. Literally in Deuteronomy, if you forsake the widow and the orphan, your children will be orphaned. Your wife will be widowed. I guess I better not forsake the widow and the orphan, right? So the spirit was just crushing me. You gotta go back. And so we go back and we sit in the front row and we're both just violently shaking, tears streaming out of our eyes. Like, amen, and out the door. We get in the truck, I looked at my wife. I said, what do you think? She goes, oh God, I hated that. I said, yeah, me too. She says, we gotta go back. (laughs) I said, yeah, you're right, (laughs) okay. And so next weekend we go and we bring the kids this time, right? We're dipping our toes in the water and the kids go back to Sunday school and uh, and we're just sitting up there shaking again. And as I'm trying to scoot out the side door afterwards, the pastor comes over to me and he says, hey, I understand you play drums. We've been praying for two years for a drummer for the worship band. And I said, buddy, I don't think so. I I don't, dude, my drum set would fill this stage, right? It's, Mm -hmm. I play heavy metal. And he's like, well, we've been praying for a drummer. And then he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, would you prayerfully consider it? Now, I grew up in the church. I know that's a direct order from a pastor, right? (laughs) So, okay, so I go home and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm telling my wife, "Um, I think I should do this. Well, then do it. Mm. I don't wanna do it. Well, then don't do it. I think I should do this. She goes, shut up and make a decision. I love my wife, <laughs> she's awesome. And so I, uh, I pulled out my phone, because the pastor gave me his email address, and I found some links to about a half a dozen videos of me playing drums in my former life. Sent them to the pastor, and I was like, just so you know, this is the kind of drummer I am, thinking, it'll fix this guy. Mm-hmm. He'll never talk to me again. All my problems are solved, I can go on with my heathen life and not feel bad about it. About 15 minutes later, I get an email forwarded from the pastor, from the worship leader to the pastor forwarded to me. And there was one line, oh, hell yeah, get this guy. And I was like, ugh. So I started playing drums in the worship band at church, Sunday church. And the Spirit, the Father was working through the Spirit to teach me control via drums. Hmm. Metal is not terribly dynamic, it can be. You know, Mozart talked about music is the creation and the release of tension, okay? And so, metal tends to be the creation of tension, not much release. And If you look at traditional worship music and contemporary worship music, it is that. It builds and then it falls and it builds and it falls. But it's much more dynamic, the playing style, than sitting behind nine drums and 15 cymbals and just smashing everything you can see. And I started playing drums in a worship band And as it turns out, the father has a sense of humor because the guitarist was into like AC, DC, and the bassist was into Nirvana, and the keyboardist was into Iron Maiden. And so (laughs) we had this little blonde lady, Kelsey, who's the worship leader, and uh, she'd get so mad at us at rehearsal because we'd be going full bore, like taking these worship songs, but making them like hard rock worship songs and she was a Southern Baptist from South Carolina, and she'd yell at us, you gotta do it the way it's recorded. Okay. Until Sunday morning, when she can't stop us. <laughs> so she starts playing, and we all look around, and we just, we just go, and it was so cool because people were coming up to us afterwards going, I have never heard that song played like that before. That was a cr- incredible. What did you do? I don't know. I wasn't there. Hmm. I had an 18-minute out-of-body experience behind the drum set, Letting the spirit play the drums. And so I get rebaptized because um, I was baptized so, as a youth.
0: So just a second though, but yeah. So basically, Jehovah used your previous experience. Didn't matter if it was heavy metal because now it was for His glory, and exactly. He let you go. Yes, sir. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. Okay, sir, so yeah, it was Super continue. cool.
2: Um, Baptism. So I get baptized again uh, into the Sunday Christian Church, and my life begins to change. And fast forward a couple years, that church begins to change as well. And we had left the church because the sermons that we were getting every Sunday morning had gone from here's the word of God to here's three, three ways, self-help sermon kind of thing, right? And so we left. Um, six months later, the Spirit says, go to church. I don't do that anymore. Go to church, all right? We go to church and I got to watch as the eldership and the pastor got into an argument in the middle of the sermon and the whole church split right in front of my eyes. I was sitting all the way in the back. So the father gave me perspective and I left. I was pissed because I'm good at being pissed. And all I had, I knew the father was real. I knew the son was real. And I knew this word was true, is real, is real. ever seen that? Mm And so I started reading, where do you start? How about in the beginning of the book, dummy? In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth, right? And so I'm reading through and I'm seeing all these things, a law forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Well, how come nobody ever told me that? The Father would hit me, you're somebody. You've owned my book your whole life. I never cracked it open on your own. You can be mad that the pastor never told you, but you've owned this book your whole life, your fault. So I keep reading through and reading through, and I'm like, holy crap, swine's an abomination? Deuteronomy 32, your abominations have provoked Yahuwah your Elohim against you? Like, so it pisses God off when I eat pig? That's probably not good. All these things, right? And so I start, unbeknownst to me, keeping the Torah. I didn't even know that's what it was called. And uh, everybody from my previous life thought I was crazy. All my Sunday church friends, you're denying the grace of Jesus, and I'm like, I don't think so, man. Have you read this book? You know what it says in here. So you heard the whole thing about that's just for the Jews, right? Yeah, you don't have to do that. Okay, how long's forever? Oh well, it's it's for it's for the Jews. It's for Israel. Cool. Romans 11. What are you grafted into? Because the root bears the branch. The branch doesn't bear the root. Huh, all these things, right? And so finally I see a video, I'm doing dishes one night, and I see a video, it comes up, I'm watching YouTube on my phone, and this video from Pastor Joe Fox of Viking Preparedness comes up, and it's a sermon called Withdraw and Prepare. I've never seen this guy preach before, and it's all Torah. And I, I dropped the plate I was washing, doing dishes, and I looked through the roof at Yah, and I said, is this what you need me to see? And he said, yeah. That's what I need you to see, and so I listened, and I broke down in tears because I didn't know that there was anybody else on planet Earth that was doing Torah. I didn't even know what it was called. I actually went into my hallway and just sunk to the ground and cried. Mm. And then the father was like, "Hey, dummy, you think I'd tell just you? Mm. No, I told. It's out there, right? We ended up moving from North Texas to Oklahoma." whole different conversation. I start this little YouTube channel. I'm walking outside one day, screaming at the sky, yelling at dad because there's something I know I need to do, but I don't know what it is. And I'm stupid. And if you don't tell me what it is, I can't do it. And I don't want to be disobedient. So tell me. Clear as a bell. Read my word. Hmm. I said, I am. On camera, you idiot. Wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that. I don't wanna do that, I'm arguing with them. Clear as a bell. Did I stutter? No, sir. Where shall I begin? Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And so I came to this realization of Torah uh, by reading the Bible. Nobody argued me into it, there were no apologetics, there was no ministry that I was affiliated with, I just read the Bible front to back, and I was like, wait a minute. Allah forever means forever. What does Israel mean? Genesis 32, he who is striving with Elohim, he was overcome with Elohim, and he who is ruling with Elohim. Well, that's the pattern of our faith. First, in my faith, first you wrestle with him, decade of apostasy, then you overcome, right? How do we overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And then how do you rule with him? Exodus 19, you shall be for me a nation of priests and a holy kingdom. Ruling, priest and king. Huh, and it all just kind of came together for me. It's like we are supposed to do these things. And then you read Deuteronomy 28. If you diligently obey the voice of Yahweh your Elohim, then you will be blessed. If then statement, conditional. If you don't, then you'll be cursed. What are all these blessings? Machine gun, 40 verses of blessings. You reap what you sow, parable of the talents. He who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. And it all starts to line up. It starts to line up with the teachings of Messiah. Wait a minute, everything that Messiah said came out of the, the one, there's one blank page in between Second Chronicles and Matthew chapter one. And everything he's saying is all back here on this side of the book. First Peter 2.21, for this you were called that Messiah having suffered for your sins that you will walk in his steps. Do what he did. Hmm. Well, what's sin? 1 John 3, verse four, sin is lawlessness and all who do sin do lawlessness. Well, I should probably not be lawless then. (laughs) That makes sense, right? In him there is no sin, cool. So I should probably make sure there's no sin in me. Well, what's sin? It's lawlessness. I should probably try to walk in the law. Well, you can't do that perfectly. Of course you can't do it perfectly. If you could do it perfectly, you'd be Mashiach. Wouldn't need Yeshua. But it doesn't mean we don't try. Right, shall we send all the more so that grace may abound? No, yah forbid. And so somehow, by the grace of Yah, with a drum set at the age of 15, ended up now where I'm on the tenth
0: read through of this word, reading it on camera every day. Beautiful. Here we are. Well, we're gonna learn more about your story and some things that you can teach us, including me, and our and our whole audience uh, next week. So thank you for joining us and uh, hope you can stick around for another week. Thank you, brother. All right, thank you, TJ. All right, TJ Morris, better known as Bear Independent. There's the information where you can find all of his videos on the bottom of the screen right there. And that is just the beginning. You will find tentacles of his work all over the internet. Uh, he's Bear from the internet, as you recall. So <laughs> we will see you next week. Until then, Shabbat Shalom, we'll see you next week.